Welcome to the Women Who podcast, the podcast for female business owners and leaders looking for inspiration, insights and advice, celebrating the highs and supporting you through the lows of life as an entrepreneur. Hosted by Women Who Worcestershire co-founders, Carrie Pawley and Lisa Lloyd. Women Who Worcestershire, supporting women in business and in life. Today's episode of the Women Who podcast is sponsored by Hallmark Watley Hume. Worcester's oldest law firm boasts a team of 35 legal experts who are ready to assist you with all your legal matters. You'll receive a personal service throughout from your allocated one point of contact who will understand and anticipate your needs and offer you the very best advice both now and in the future. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Women Who podcast. Today, I'm joined by Sue Johns from Kingsway House, who is one of our venue sponsors. We host monthly networking meetings at Kingsway. Hi, Sue. How are you? Yeah. Hi, Carrie. Yes, very well. Thank you. Um, Won't you tell us a little bit about Kingsway House? Kingsway House is a beautiful Georgian building on Fourgate Street, which is the main road um, in Worcester. Uh, And... We are running it now um, as a business centre. So we've got about 20 rooms, which we use as meeting rooms, serviced offices, hot desking and event space. It is a beautiful building. I've walked past it many times before I realised what it what it was even. It's quite an, uh, I mean, it is an attractive building from outside, but when you come inside, then you, you see the sort of full, full glory of the building. Yeah, definitely. Um, you said it's become a business centre. What what was it previously? Um, it was Kingsway English Centre. Um, we'd been in this building for 20 years, um, but we'd been in Worcester for 34 years prior to the pandemic. That made a big difference, didn't it? Yes, the so because we were an international business and we depended on people being able to travel from abroad to come and study with us on short intensive courses that when the pandemic hit, um, students who were with us left. And um, although there's a certain, there was a certain amount we could do online, people used to come to us for uh, what what's known as immersion courses. So they yeah. would be studying, um, you know, t- typically 20, 30 hours a week with us, living with host families and just being immersed in the whole, the, the language and the culture. And there's no way you would want to spend those kind of hours online. So we could no. we could do English teaching online, but we couldn't replicate the experience that we used to give them here. And that included the social programme as well. So, yeah, the, the pandemic finished us off. So what what sort of what sort of students were coming uh, across? Were they kind of wide ranging ages? And um, they were professional people. Uh, the average age was forty five. Oh wow! They all needed English for uh, well, not they didn't all need English for work. Most of them needed English for work. Some of them uh, were doing it for an exam. Or, or just for, for personal reasons. And almost um, all of them who came to us had some English. So they'd done English at school, maybe post-school, but they wanted to feel 
comfortable uh, in using their English in a professional uh, situation. Yeah. So as an example, uh, you know, we had politicians come oh. to us. We had some people who were famous in their own country. We had um, directors and managers of industries like BMW, uh, Rolls-Royce. Um, we had doctors and teachers and professors, all kinds of people who paid to have a very professional experience um, with us. So that meant we had to make sure that the facilities um, here were all um, exactly as a, a professional experience yes. would, a yeah. professional person would expect, and our services. So that meant that when the pandemic wiped us out, <laughs> we had all this experience in providing a first class service for professional people and we just had to think well we can't do the international stuff and kind of swiveled yes pivoted, yeah, however you want to call lot, it we swiveled to the uh local business population so what what do you provide now in terms of so what what services? we did so we turned all, all our classrooms and some of our admin rooms and that that were all set up for teaching but with a very nice standard of uh, so forget any ideas you may have of school school classrooms. Room. They weren't the, they so weren't the most luxurious, were they? Very sort of comfortable, <laughs> nicely furnished rooms. Um, mm. So those uh, 20 odd rooms we've now uh, repurposed, mm. rebranded as meeting rooms and, and offices uh, and, and hot desking. And we really have had to do um, a minimal amount of work here to change from the international market to the local market so we changed the name from uh, Kingsway English Centre to Kingsway House Business Centre yeah um it um inside you know we've had to change some signage and we've had to change our room numbers we bought um a state-of-the-art coffee machine um which, <laughs> and the, reason we, with the reason we didn't have one before you said well why didn't you have one for all your you know high high flying people it's because we used to have break times at the same time for everyone because part of what we um a part of the experience of being of learning english here was at break times everyone all the different nationalities and we could typically have 10 or 12 different nationalities they would meet having a they would meet and mix yeah. and mingle and some of the staff as well and we had relatively short break times because we had very intensive courses so we had typically like 20 20 minute break and so if if we'd had 20 people coming down for a break at the same time we'd have needed an hour for everyone to have got through their their coffee so we didn't yeah or several coffee machines yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so so we used to provide nice coffee but percolated coffee cafeteriers yeah. of coffee yeah but so often people would come in and they'd say oh haven't you got a coffee machine well there was a good reason for it but once once we um became um, a business center we knew you know obviously people could choose to have a break whenever they wanted there was we yeah. in the previous times you know we, we'd have a tannoy for break and then everyone would come to at the yeah. same time you know now people just break whenever they want so obviously a, a coffee machine works well in that environment. So you've, you've got quite a big 
space there how many kind of meeting rooms versus hot desks and and well we we divided it up up sort of it's it's however we want it but I suppose um we've got about um about eight eight of the rooms are serviced offices and the rest uh, and then we've got two rooms for hot desking and the rest our meeting rooms but at any point we could say okay that we're going to stop using that as a meeting room and that's going to be a serviced office as well what we what we don't want to do is turn the building into all serviced offices because then we become like concierges as people are just coming in and out of their office and it's very nice that we can have other groups like the women who group or you know, there's another networking group that that we run here that uh, we can have events and we can just have a kind of a through flow of, of different businesses. Yeah, it, it's much more about community when you've got those different. It, it options, is, and it, it? it has a kind of a, a, a everyone who says who who everyone who comes here says it has a really nice feel. And people who know what they're talking about say that the feng shui is good here. Excellent. Always good to know. Photographers and videographers and all kinds of filmmakers, they love our lounge and they want they make films there because the, the, the quality of the light there. So we know it's a very nice building. We chose calm, calming, peaceful, sort of almost seaside colours, blues and greens. And, and people always just say how lovely it is. And that's not just our, um, you know, the business people now, but, you know, this is how it was for for our our language students. Mm-hmm. So it's a lovely building to work in. It's spacious and it's light and it's and, it, and we have an outdoor area as well. Yeah, a big, beautiful garden as well. Yeah. You? So we've got terrace with outdoor furniture and it's kind of like a little oasis because, as I said, we're on Fourgate Street. So we're right in the, the city centre. But out the back, we've got this sort of lovely um, terrace and uh, and it's a bit of a sun trap. So it's very nice. Great for after work drinks in the summer. Well, we have we do uh, a couple of times a year. We do our after work networking uh, sessions. The summer ones, obviously, we're outside and we've um, we've had live music for those, which is very nice. But the next one that's coming up will be in December, so that's inside, obviously. Yeah, the weather might not be quite so good for yeah. outdoors. Yeah. Then, and you do some of these for for uh, charity as well, don't you? Yes, some of those we events. kind of hooked up. Um, so I started. Um, I joined networking groups to promote the the, the business centre. Yes. Prior yeah. to becoming a business centre, our marketing efforts were all directed abroad. Yeah. And there was nothing going on uh, locally. So one of the ways of publicising um, the, 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 the building and our facilities, et cetera, I, I joined uh, networking groups. And through one of the networking groups, I met someone who represented the Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust. Yes. Yeah. And as I, you know, I, I I went from thinking, well, what's a charity doing in a networking group, but not kind of really understanding the point of that to sort of realizing how they wanted to hook up with businesses. And I wanted yeah. I, I wanted A to help them, but B to help us. Yes. So um, yeah. so I I suggested um to um Michelle, who was the representative of the time, I said, well. I'd like to run an event um, for you 
to get people in to see us. So um, that first event was so successful. We had um, someone else from the networking group who was a musician and guitarist, and he plays in local Worcester pubs, doing a sort of a range of sort of well-known, uh, you know, yeah, all the popular like, songs, pop, that... pop soft rock stuff. Yeah, he he offered to to play free of charge, and because it, unfortunately it turned out it. The, the day we chose was a lovely sunny evening so it started at four o'clock and the sun was out and he was out in the terrace playing his music and we had about 50 60 people something like that and we we ran it as we we had a pims bar and we had all this other stuff going on and um we charged for it so <laughs> that's how we made money. yeah yeah absolutely uh, so we we charged 15 pounds a head and for that you get two alcoholic drinks which could be pims or a beer or something else and as much soft drink as you you want and coffees that's all just included and and refreshments so I think people get good value for money and then um we were also able I think the first time we sent the charity a check for something like 600 or 700 pounds and the second time one evening that's brilliant yeah yeah so we've done three We've done three events with Grace Kelly now, and then the fourth is coming up uh, in December. So it, it works on so many levels. Yes, yeah. we can give um, money to the charity, but people um, come and see our building and our facilities, and they people network, they meet other people, they make connections, and more importantly, I suppose, than any of that, they have a nice time. So, and then they know your venue, they, know that it's yeah. somewhere they could come and work or book a meeting yeah. room, and then um, you know, yeah. then you've got a, a potential ongoing customer. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to the the um, sort of language centres. So were you were you teaching or were you managing the? the well, centers? both. I mean, I'm um, I am a, um, a teacher by profession and training. So when when we started here. When we started originally in, uh, it was about 1919, it's sort of a bit fuzzy, the beginning, 1990, I think it was. Um, I was the teacher and Rick, my husband, was the, the manager. So between us, we did uh, everything. And then as, as we grew and grew um, and eventually had maybe about 10 teachers that we were employing and we had admin staff, uh, and I moved away from teaching to being director of studies to start with, and then um, academic director. So the buck stopped with me, if you like, for the teaching. But um, I, I moved away from the the classroom. So can you can you speak other languages? Uh, in that case, <laughs> I was careful. <laughs> I claim if someone starts talking to me in that language, yeah, I mean my my French is. Uh, rusty but fairly good once I once I get into it I'm teaching myself Spanish at the moment I've studied German and uh, we when we lived in the the far east um, I could speak Indonesian at the time though would really struggle now how long were you in the far east for uh two, two years what what took you over there well Rick who's my husband was um a um oil field engineer so he worked on the rigs so we we met at university uh and he was he was doing engineering and when 
<clears throat> when he qualified, he he uh, he. I can't think where he went to start with. He went to South America to start with. Um, while I was teaching in this country, um, uh, but after a year in South America, he then came back and worked up in Aberdeen, and that's where I I joined him when it was a sort of thriving was capital of yeah. the North, North Sea oil up there. And then his company moved him to Jakarta. So I went with him there for a couple of years. And then he was transferred to Cape Town uh, for a year, which was which was very nice. But then by that point, so we're talking uh, 1987, he'd done 10 years in the oil industry and had had enough. So we, we came back. And uh, as it turned out, we uh, started a business at the same time as we started a family. That's a lot on your plate all at once. But, yes, um, but um, I have to say, we ha- I, I had help. Otherwise, uh, you know, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked. I, I was lucky in having plenty of help. That's quite an exciting few years getting to travel and, and actually live in yeah, very different it, it was, places. Yeah, it, it was fabulous. The, the Jakarta experience in, in particular to be sort of young, child-free, um, living uh so his company um were very generous we had uh we had a lovely house servant swimming pool um it's just like kind of sort of real looking back that we we yeah. lived like that but we did <laughs> that sounds amazing mm. so was was that the thing that that made you kind of step back from being a, a teacher were you teaching in schools yes then, so to, to, to start with when I when I first qualified I spent um I don't know two, two and a half years teaching in quite rough schools uh, in um Wolverhampton and Birmingham but uh when I was traveling when, when we were living abroad well in, in Jakarta I was I did teach English t- as a foreign language out there just to private students but I suppose it was my my first real taste of being an entrepreneur was out there because Rick Rick was off away on the rigs often and um when when I arrived I had to find us a house to live in and um so his company's paid the bills yeah yeah I I had to sort of go around viewing these houses and deciding where to live and sort of negotiating with owners and all that and I learned a lot and I realized that everyone all the expats who were coming into Jakarta at the time and there were loads because it was a thriving oil capital so um, loads of people they were sort of landing and being told by their companies, right, you've got, this is your budget, go and find a house. And they're like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? So I used all this experience to kind of put together a little expat relocation service. And I, and I was having um, Indonesian lessons myself. And so I, I asked this woman who was teaching me if she wanted to come into business with me. So the, the two of us, started up this little business and I um I liaised with the um the expats who were generally English speaking uh yeah yeah you know, even if they were the um Euro- European gen- generally so I was liaising with English speaking people and she was liaising with the Indonesian owners and so so 
together we, we we went around trawling around found all the houses that were available for rent negotiated the rent with with the owners put together this little package went to different companies so I know that was working really sort of nicely and I was enjoying doing it and it was a, a unique service absolutely yeah. no one else was doing it and then Rick's company told him that uh, they wanted him to go to Cape Town so I tried to find another expat woman to take this on and nobody, nobody, because the lifestyle, you know, if very you're an different. expat wife, as, as they mainly were wives, very few who were out there in their own right. They could sit by the swimming pool all day or go and have lunch or, you know, whatever. But no one, <laughs> no one want, want, wanted to actually yeah you know put themselves out so this nice little little business which was really sort of not only were we doing a good job but you know particularly for my Indonesian partner where um the money that we were making it was significant really for for her I mean I wasn't doing it because I needed the money I was doing it because I needed to do something I couldn't just sit by yeah. a pool all the time yeah that's a holiday sitting by the pool for a week okay yeah. great not for two years you no so, but, but mo- most 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 women who were out there they were there to play tennis go swimming have lunch some of them had kids some of them didn't and if they had kids then you know if I'd had kids maybe it would be you know I'd have been different but I didn't have kids and there were plenty of other mm. women out there who didn't have kids but also had not the slightest interest so when I left and went to to Cape Town that was the end of the business because um, my Indonesian business partner needed an expat to work with yeah so, yeah yeah so that that was my first taste I think of being an entrepreneur so that when when we came back here um, I suppose it was natural to me to start thinking right what can I what can I do yeah you'd got the bug and it's kind of yeah what skill what how do I use the skills that I've got yeah. and do something out on our own yeah and then yeah is, is that where the language center was was born or did you do uh, other things so, well sort of so I sort of trained to, t- to teach English um, as a foreign language then I'd had some um, experience um, abroad teaching English and then um, when we came back to start with I worked for Berlitz which was sort of quite well known um uh, for for language teaching so I, I worked for them in the rotunda building in Birmingham that's that's what it was it's coming back to me now yes and <laughs> so I was work people were coming over I remember from Turkey from Germany and they're in this very um uninspiring building it was just like an office block uh it had no character you know, there no sort of sense of identity and yeah, they it's were just concrete, isn't it? Yeah, and they were commuting from like Acops Green or some sort of outlying Birmingham suburbs. And we, as teachers, we had our hands tied. We were given this very dull book and told, "Yeah, stick to this book. Don't do anything else." And so I thought, why are people coming, paying to come for this really dull um, experience? So um, I was um, expecting our first child at the time. So you know, eventually sort of on maternity leave. And, and it, it was just sort of ticking around in my head, like, why are people paying that money? Why wouldn't they come choose somewhere nicer to go and have a better experience? And that's where it came from. So, uh, and because we live um, 
at that point we were yeah we uh, we were living just outside Worcester we still do in fact um think well Worcester's got so much more going for it than Birmingham and then started to think about well how would us how would we sell Worcester to people you know most those foreigners can't even say it you know and then let alone having heard of it so there's a fair few people in this country well absolutely I mean (laughs) generally when our students came to us the first lesson was it's not Worcester it's not Worcester it's Worcester you know so um just deciding that Worcester was a nice was an attractive destination to try and sell uh and then we and I was quite hesitant or about oh god I don't know if I don't know if this is going to make money I can't spend our savings on on taking on premises and and just be being a bit um a bit like hesitant about well I think it's quite a good idea but I don't want to spend any money making it happen that's that's a risk isn't it well it's it's a risk so we had a, a young family no income because when we returned to this country Rick then um built the house that we now live in so he'd, he'd been uh he'd been occupied doing that and I thought well I can't I can't actually risk this money when he finished building our house he then he said to me uh do you want some help with this business idea and I said yes and and uh and then he he said right well you know we need some premises in Worcester and blah 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 so he 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 is much better at spending money than I am so he, <laughs> he then he then did what what we needed to do to sort of get us get us off the ground and it went from strength to strength after that it did. I mean we've, we've had so many knocks over the years I, I you know I'm going to I'm putting it together in into a into a talk slowly um um slowly but surely I'll, I'll get there but because we worked internationally, uh, whatever was going on internationally that might affect people's desire to travel or willingness to travel yes. affected us. So I think we started uh, what during what turned out to be the first Gulf War, and then there were subsequent Gulf Wars. Uh, there, there were terrorist attacks. You know, there was 9-11. There was Icelandic volcanoes. Yes. There was global financial crisis. There was swine flu, bird flu, mad cow disease. Like, and, and every time we kind of, we were knocked for six and then we'd get up again uh, and then we'd be knocked for six and then we'd get up again. And the final killer knockout blow was the pandemic. And we didn't actually want to get up again after that. It's just like had it done yeah it changes your changes your mindset because it lasted so long all the restrictions well it it was it it wasn't that it wasn't how long it lasted it was that um so we had to make our staff redundant um and it would have been like starting from square one again and you know it's almost like trying to get a jumbo jet into the air when it's it's sort of stalled and landed thing. how the hell you need you need so much energy fuel and everything to, to get a jumbo jet of the air that's how I felt um it would be and and also because w- what happened a, a few years prior to um the pandemic I'd been trying to go part-time and frequently announcing to the staff from Monday, you know, I'm only going to be in on such and such a day. And then I always, there was some 
crisis or absence or something and I and I got pulled in and I got pulled in and and I was becoming quite resentful to be honest that that you know you think of oh, people who don't have their own businesses think that being a business owner yeah oh, you know Put lucky you half the week <laughs> lucky you but the thing yeah. is the buck stops with the yes. business owner so if ever there's an issue or if ever there was an issue uh, I was the one who had to cancel what I was doing uh, and come on in and deal with it. And so when uh, the pandemic came and I found suddenly all this free time, and I thought, this, this is good. Uh, this is really nice. This is what I've been wanting for ages. And Rick, he, he too found that he had all this free time. And two of our three kids came home uh, to, to live with us during the pandemic and, and the sun was shining and it was like, whoa this is nice. Do I really want to go back to the, what felt sometimes like it was 24 hour a day because it was an international service, because we provided transport, accommodation, social program, because we had to be available weekends and evenings. And it was like, it was constant. So much more than nine till five, Monday to Friday. So, and I, I was clearer than Rick and like, I don't want to go back to do that. I, don't want to go back to yeah. that. It was good. It was good while it lasted. You know, for o- over 30 years, we provided memorable courses that people will, are still in contact with, with us now. And say, oh, it was the best time of my life. Oh, it was life changing. Oh, we had a fantastic time. That's such rewarding feedback to it get was, to know that you it, had that it impact. Was, it was. And, you know, we really were at the top of our game. Um, various members of the teaching team not not just me we presented nationally internationally uh you know we we had a name of being you know the you know amongst the best schools in the country at what we were doing we were doing a really first class service um so it 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 was good I learned masses masses you know and I think back to when I when I started as sort of newly qualified teacher to you know how, how I am now just just you learn something every day absolutely yeah there's a lot of life lessons in there yeah do you yeah. do you find you miss the teaching sometimes uh, no because I still teach okay uh, I was teaching this morning uh so I have um, a couple of Japanese students that I teach online um and and a few other nationalities so just just a handful um uh, so I, I I do still teach and um we also have a very, very small number of students who still come to us. So what we do is if someone contacts us and says, um, because because our reputation is, yeah. is, is yeah. out there, it's, it's not going to disappear just because we're not um, officially doing very much at the moment. People do contact us and say, oh, I'd like to come on an English course. And we just say, the only courses we do are one-to-one. Yeah. There will be no other international students at the time. There will be no social programme, but we'll provide you first class teaching if that's what you want. We'll provide you a host family if that's what you want. But you, you need to understand that anyone you mix with when you are here in our building, it, it will be, you know, other, other businesses who are using us for meeting yes. rooms. And, and, and so we, we, we can put a positive spin on that and say, well, they're native English speakers. So, you know, that would be, you, you, know, you might it, well get into conversation with native English speakers. It's still an immersion. Yeah, it's it, it is an immersion and it's, uh, but it, it's different. So 
we've got a Swiss guy um, here at the moment. Uh, today is his final day of a five-week five intensive course. And I taught him for, I don't know, I taught him for about a week of that time. So, yeah, I, I do still. I, I, would, I think I would miss it if I didn't do any teaching, but I, I, I do enough that... I, yes. I, I don't miss it yeah. the best of both worlds now then yeah, you've got so. got yeah. the teaching that you enjoy but not so much it's yeah burning you out yeah um, and and a, a brilliant business that's um growing really quickly you know you, you've not been a business center for that no long, no so really. we, we started in uh september 2020 you know the september yeah. of the pandemic that's when we sort of launched it and we had the mayor the mayor of Worcester soon after that. Uh, so we, we, we build something as our champagne opening reception because it was pandemic. So no, no one, no one could come. Quite a bit. <laughs> it was it saved us a lot of money on champagne. You always, you always have a, a, you know, a big fifth birthday party or something yeah, yeah, to sort of yeah. make up for the, the, the slightly smaller grand yes. opening. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you think, you know, you've talked about all the things that you've sort of learnt in that incredible journey. What would you say to somebody who's kind of got a business idea, they want to get started? What what advice would you give somebody brand new into entrepreneurship? Oh, God. First of all, I think you've got to love whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. Because there will be plenty of times where you don't make any money. And you're working very long hours. So you've got to really know and love. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever just cast around, oh, what can I do? What can I think of? It's got just got to be something that sort of comes to you that, and I think if you love what you're doing, um, you'll do a, a really excellent job, whatever that may be. And you will be less. So there, there are there are there are times, many times. Through the, through the years when we didn't make money, but we could still enjoy coming to work. I yes. think it, if it had been a double whammy of we weren't making money and this work is miserable, <laughs> so it would have been awful. Yeah, you'd so, give up then, wouldn't you? you don't, wouldn't I don't ever, I would say business. never go into a business with the aim of you want to make money. If, if that's your, your driving force, then you'll have some miserable times. But go into business thinking I really like doing this and I think I can turn it into a business then whatever that is then you'll in, you'll you'll enjoy the journey yeah I think being passionate makes a huge difference mm. doesn't it you know there's I, I don't know what the stats are but I, I read something recently about the number of women who don't take that step um, through kind of fear they've got the passion but they haven't necessarily got the, well, it, the, the support it was, it was, around them it was the same for me really we wouldn't be we wouldn't be in this kind of lovely building um if I had been on my own like without a business partner because with with, with the two of us we we cover a lot of skills be between us yeah so I'm not very comfortable with money uh, and financial decisions. They either bore me or I'm just not comfortable with them. Uh, and then Rick, on for his side, 
he's not into the presenting he's not into the the networking and the mingling he's got no teaching skills and all those kind of stuff so I we kind of divided the business up where I did all the the people things and the the academic yeah, thing yeah and he the did stuff numbers that I actually <laughs> dislike the IT uh, that looking after the premises um the kind of DIY jobs he has to do and the finance and all, all those he covers. He's an early morning person. I'm a late, late night person. So between us, we sort of covered everything. And I think if I'd had to go into business just, just with my own skills and, and limitations, I don't think I would be here now. But having that good partnership helps doesn't it and I guess especially having your husband as your business partner you also gives you that bit of separation in your working day that you're not on top of each other and then go home yeah together as well um, I've forgotten what I was going to say I was going to um it's gone 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 uh Sorry. No, don't worry. I'm say something very profound and then it went. Happens, happens to me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, you have such an amazing, really interesting career. They traveling. Yeah, all over I mean, the place. I think um, what 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 we what we often say is that we've just most of our working lives, um, c- certainly um, in the the, the King, Kingsway's life we've enjoyed we've enjoyed work we've we've been in I mean this is a lovely building to work in and our previous building which we also owned was a lovely building to work in and um I think I'm unemployable I just I've worked for myself (laughs) I've worked for myself for so long I can't imagine what it's like having to answer to someone else so you know I, I can set the standards um and you know, just, yeah, just ha- have the business that, that I want. Yeah, That's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. At the end of the day, going out and doing something that you enjoy, doing yes. it well. And it, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, it's, it's it. not, it's not without its, its challenges, but yeah. You've overcome them all. Yes. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. It's been really good talking to you, Sue. Um, the question that I always end with, with uh, all of our guests on the podcast, is who are your women who? Women that inspire you? Um, um, rich the, and famous, normal and ordinary? There is no uh, one person, certainly no one rich and famous, Um and probably no one particular person, but I I always uh, have I've always admired people who who work for um, charities and sort of the sort of selflessness of yes. putting their time and effort into other things. So alongside what I've done for um, for our you know to, to make money. This year, for example, I've done a lot for Ukraine and we've had um, we have a Ukrainian teenager living with us. I regularly um, do um, charitable stuff. Um, I, I run quizzes in our village. Rick and I do those together. And that's for charities. Um, done that for years and years and years. 
so it really the pe- people who, who who I admire are those who are just pu- putting themselves out, not 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 to make money for themselves, um, but to make the life make the world a better yes. place in some way whether it's running an animal sanctuary or or helping the homeless or whatever it is they're, they're the people I think well good on you absolutely I cannot argue with that at all yeah. well thank you very much thank for you joining me today nice to meet you Sue. Um, we will have all of the Kingsway House details in the notes for today's episode. Thank you very much. See you next time on the Women Who podcast. Thank you very much. Okay, then. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation. Find us online at womenwhoworcestershire.co.uk. Remember to like and subscribe and don't forget to sign up to our mailing list. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.